This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. And now, Christ and Pop Culture presents Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson. I'm Erin Straza, and with me is Hannah Anderson. We're your hosts for Persuasion, the place where fine ladies, rational minds, and the best kind of company gather to discuss all sorts of ideas and issues. Thanks for joining this conversation today. It's part of our series called Growing Viral, Well-Being in the Age of Corona. Each of our episodes in the series will look at ways that we are responding and reacting to the COVID-19 pandemic. And then we're looking at how we can focus a bit and move toward wholeness even in the midst of it. And Hannah, you know, one thing that's been on my mind during this whole series is the way that the emotions that we're experiencing, there are a lot of them, and but they're not wrong. They're just like gauges telling us what's going on. Right. And I think that's especially important to point out um, to people who perhaps grew up in traditions or cultures that emotions were kind of seen as negative, that Mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. way you approach your inner life was just to shut it down, that, you know, emotions weren't trustworthy, so you shouldn't give them any attention, you shouldn't listen to them. And while I agree with the sentiment that your emotions don't always tell you the truth or are the most helpful guide, um, it can be just as dangerous to pretend like they're not there or that emotions themselves are somehow suspect. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because acknowledging them is sort of like that first step in trying to figure out, well, why am I feeling this way? And therefore, what can I do about it? And whether you are shoving that feeling to the side or trying to make it into something else, both of those approaches are going to be kind of like in that denial function, like what we talked about in our first conversation um, with with John, where we talked through some of those feelings of let's downplay, let's minimize. And the whole point here in this series is to try to look at, well, what's really going on? Let's just take this honest look at what are we experiencing? What are the reactions we're seeing? What are we f- feeling in our own hearts and minds? And then once it's all put out on the table, then we can sort through it and deal with it. And and so I really appreciate um, this as the setup for today's conversation, because some of these emotions can be overwhelming. And I think for some people, you don't like certain emotions, so you'd rather not feel them. Right. I think one of the best examples of how to approach our emotional life, and especially negative emotions, is to think of um, a fire alarm or your smoke detector in your Mm -hmm. house. So when your smoke detector goes off, it's really annoying. And for some people, (laughs) it's so overwhelming that the thing you want most is just to turn it off. You just want it to stop yelling at you and screaming at you. And you can take the approach that most of us do, which is to 
take the batteries out of the smoke detector so it will be quiet. <laughs> but you really, if you do that all the time, you're going to miss what the smoke detector is designed to do. Um, it's supposed to catch your attention. It's supposed to make you stop what you're doing. And you're supposed to pause long enough to determine whether you actually are in a threatening situation. You're supposed to stop and say, okay, there's smoke. Where's it coming from? What is the problem? Is the house on fire or did I just burn my toast? Mm -hmm. And I think the risk of suppressing emotions or denying them or not giving them um, the validity that they demand is that we'll just go to the smoke detector when it goes off and pull the batteries out. Mm -hmm. And then just forget that it's there and needing to serve a, a proper function in our lives. Yeah. I, I think your analogy here is perfect um, in terms of fire and smoke and uh, that intensity, because today we're going to discuss anger and how anger is really a very common reaction that I am seeing and that I'm feeling because of this pandemic. We need to talk that out and sort it through because very often we see anger as very negative and we don't want to address it or we want to stuff it. Um, or if we see other people who are really angry, we just want them to settle down, whereas they may be like that fire alarm saying, hey, there's a real problem here. So this is a great start to our conversation in terms of anger. It's kind of reminded me of that character from the Inside Out movie the the anger character where right. his head was aflame. <laughs> and so I feel like that's a really good icon, a good mental it picture is. as we it start. <laughs> and I think for some people, the idea that anger is a possible emotion in this moment may seem, uh, that may strike you as odd. Like, how can you be angry at a virus? Right. <laughs> or as I'm going to call it from now on, the sickness. The sickness. I, I like had a friend too. this weekend <laughs> refer to it as the sickness. And I thought to myself, how have I missed this for the last four weeks? I could have been calling it the sickness this whole With time. With a capital T, capital S, yeah. the sickness, proper noun. <laughs> yes. So the fact that we would be angry at something that is impersonal or, you know, moral it's just it's a feature of nature of you know our fallen bodies it seems initially like are you sure that's the anger you're are you sure that's mm -hmm. the emotion that you want to identify but i have seen a lot of anger in the response to the virus and to the crisis around it I have too. And I think where I am seeing this in terms of some examples, um, I've seen a lot of blaming. I think when we're angry, we want to pin the fault on somebody. We want someone to pay <laughs> for the wrongs that are happening. And so even though this is the sickness, it's a virus that is not a being in and of itself, we can't really be mad at it. Um, there's a lot that's going on that stirs up anger because it's telling us that we are no longer in control. So we got to blame somebody for ruining our lives, <laughs> for ruining how we had them set up for causing loss and grief and sickness. I mean, we want someone to pin this on. And so very often the anger is needing to be directed at someone. And you can see this all over the news, all sorts of cases where we're going to pick somebody and pin it on them and say it's mm -hmm. their fault. 
Right. And I think what you reference there about grief and loss being underneath it is really a significant point about anger that what we're really dealing with probably is other emotions, pain, Mm -hmm. loss, fear, but it's manifested as anger and then anger needs a target. It does need something to be angry at. So in worst case scenarios, you know, I'm seeing people um, blame or target people of certain ethnic um, or national backgrounds. So Mm -hmm. it's you're hearing people talk about the Chinese virus or um, really kind of looking toward China as the source and therefore um, where we can direct our anger. I've also seen um, some blame on people who maybe aren't following the protocols and um, the the guidelines as strictly as we would like them to. And um, I, I mean, there are so many ways that we are supposed to be changing and altering how we live our lives and how we interact with people. But not every community, not every state is on the same page there. So those guidelines are varying ever so slightly depending on your area. I think it also varies depending on the size of your city. How are things playing out? Um, How far along is the virus um, in your town? Like, how has it escalated so far? So all of these things are different. And we're going to see a lot of anger. You're not doing X, Y, and Z. And therefore, you're the one who is escalating the situation. You're the one who is endangering everyone. And so there's a lot of frustration and anger on the people who are not behaving as we would like, um, however you have set that up for the standard in your own mind. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a lot of anger that kind of is tangential to that toward political responses. Um, like people are really parsing the choices that are being made either to have certain protocols or not have certain protocols to take certain action steps or not take certain action steps through this, um, really pre-established political lens. Mm -hmm. And this is yet one more opportunity for us to be angry and outraged to whoever is our political enemy. Right, right. It's it's like what you have talked about before with there's there's the actual sickness, there's the virus and all the changes that come from it. But then there's the social part of it where we have these reactions to everything that's going on. And I do think that this scenario does set it up for us to um, continue to deepen those divides and to lash out. Oh, if you think this about the virus, you're over here. If you think that about the virus, you're over there. And there's a reason why everyone's in their their camp, but you certainly don't agree with the other people in that camp. And so I think that it creates this atmosphere that's very charged. And because this is a scary time, because there are these other emotions um, underneath the surface, the thing that can come out most easily is that anger. I think that we're set up to be um, short with people, to assign wrong motives to people, to be frustrated. Um, it's just a really difficult time. And I would think even within um, not just the people out there, but I think even within homes, I'm seeing a lot of articles where um 
people are giving advice and guidelines for how in the home can you have um, a a calm atmosphere when everyone is a bit irritated with each other because you've been home for so long. So there's even plenty of opportunity for anger right within your your household. I definitely saw that the first week my kids were home. And I didn't know how to read it at first. We're all thrown into this, for us in our lifetime, unprecedented moment. Mm-hmm. We None of us know what we're supposed to be doing. I saw my kids reacting to each other with a great deal of aggression and just that kind of snippiness and sensitivity and being completely thrown out of their element. And at first I was like, oh my word, there is no way I can do this with these children (laughs) for a month, two months. And it actually has gotten a lot better as we've established routines and we've gotten um, more awareness of what's happening. But that first week, everyone was so tense Mm -hmm. with each other that it did come out in a lot of fights. And once we recognized what it was, we could start to deal with it. But I remember seeing it very clearly. It was Mm -hmm. so significant that it registered for me that these kids are, they, you know, kids fight, but there was a higher level of just aggression and Mm -hmm. displacement and unsettledness. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. But I want to say, I think we need to have some real talk, Erin, because it's one thing to look at other people's anger or these kind of vague illustrations from social media or the newspaper, people we know, or throw our kids under the bus. I mean, if people would do that, I don't know. Who would do that? (laughs) But who would do that? (laughs) What have you been angry at? Like, what have have you personally been triggered by and just enraged in these moments? (laughs) Enraged is a funny word because I am a a rather peaceful sort of person, always looking for um, a way to calm the storms. (laughs) So anger does not come easily to me. um, But I know that's because I am so quick to cut it off. But I will admit that there are things that I read in terms of articles and what's going on out in the world that make me so angry. And mostly it is when um, there is not acknowledgement that people are really sick and really dying. Um, there was one of the weeks, maybe week two or three of the the self-isolating, I can't remember, it was in mid-March, I was reading 
an account at New York Times um, about what was going on in Italy, and it honestly just sounded and looked like the plague. Um, it was horrifying and so upsetting to me. And so I would say for about two days, whenever I heard someone saying, oh, this actually isn't that bad, and it was more in that denial mode, I was enraged. I was like, go read what is going on in Italy and how terrible it is. And I wanted there to be truth. I think that was the thing that made me so mad is that we really can read what's going on in Italy and it really is going on there and it has nothing to do with what's going on in the United States. It's not political. It's for real. Like there really are people dying and so many bodies backed up out of the morgue. Like it's so bad. And I just wanted there to be a recognition that we are in this moment of um, worldwide pandemic and chaos, and I wanted everyone to be united in it and to say, this is terrible, and we need to do everything we need to do to curtail the number of deaths. So I'd say that's what got me most mad was that. What about you? What made you most angry? So Aaron, I just love that you don't get angry because it's so foreign to my experience. <laughs> like rage and the ability to see injustice and to have this visceral raging response to it. It's a very natural thing for me. Now, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say like I'm an angry person that I am a ticking time bomb. Yeah. <laughs> but but I can tap into that level of passion and this is wrong very easily. Mm -hmm. And like you, I think that trigger of people denying or playing fast and loose with facts or just kind of minimizing, I think that has probably been triggering to me, mm -hmm. triggering my anger. I also get really frustrated with the inequity in terms of workers and compensating oh, sure. workers. I was really mad for several weeks about um the kind of disproportionate response to caring for corporations versus caring for individual workers. And I actually had to get off Twitter because I just felt like my levels of um, angry responses were not healthy at that point. Mm -hmm. but, but the ironic thing in all of this is that I find I'm getting mad at like everything else too. <laughs> so I've got this heightened level of anger because of the pandemic. Right, right. And then this last week, for example, my neighbor cut down an old tree. Now, it's his tree. He can cut down his tree. <laughs> but I raged for like three days solid <laughs> that my neighbor had cut down his tree. And I'm, I mean, I'm like listening to myself now saying things in front of my children like, <laughs> that man is cursing himself and cursing God's earth for cutting down that tree. <laughs> Or this is he's doing do. the devil's work on right? God's the day. Devil's work. <laughs> See, but this is what we do, though. Like, we're, our anger needs to land somewhere. And so it's, if I it's already think, riled up, it's like, who I'm going to put it on that guy who's cutting down his tree. I did. It was probably unfair, but he really didn't need to take it down, to be honest. And I honestly <laughs> think he just had, like, quarantine fever and just started cutting things. You know how <laughs> they tell you, don't cut your hair, don't cut your bangs? Oh, my they gosh. Should say, so tempting, isn't it? <laughs> don't cut your trees. Don't cut your trees when you're in quarantine. You will make don't bad decisions. Don't cut your trees when you're emotionally disjointed. That's so, right. But, but I was raging. I had to have something to unleash that anger at yeah. and 
he, you know, obviously I didn't say anything to him, but my family heard it (laughs) for the next three days about how he should not have cut. I mean, it was this beautiful, large sycamore. I mean, it's over 100 years old and it just came down. Oh, you need to hold a vigil for it. The poor thing. You don't think I didn't? Did you? <laughs> I I would like to have seen that. I wish I could have been part of it. So my husband, who is like you, <laughs> is going to redeem the situation. And he walks over and he's like, so can I have that firewood? The guy's like, yeah. My husband comes back. And he says, well, I'm going to cut up the firewood and we'll have it for our stove at least it won't have gone to waste and i was like you dare not bring that (laughs) cursed wood into this house i will not be be party of it (laughs) i will not be party to this injustice we're not going to benefit from this wood burning in our house so that's how i'm handling my anger these days i see well as we are talking about moving from these emotions that are very overwhelming and very real. And we're saying that we need to look at them, sort them all out. So we've sorted them all out. And then looking at, well, how do we move into wholeness? Because we can't, for the rest of the quarantine, just be all angry all the time and it come to any good. Like we need a little bit of perspective and release. So we need to talk a little bit about this. Like what is it about anger that is keeping us from wholeness? What is it that it is leading us to? If it, if anger is not wrong in and of itself, what is it going to lead us to where it's something that is fruitful and, and benefiting us on down the road? So, so what are some of these things that we can sort out in this mm-hmm. mix? Well, I think one of the first things for me has been clarifying who and what I'm angry at. And who deserves and what deserves anger and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And I had this conversation with my 10-year-old because he's been struggling not going to school. He misses his friends a great deal. He's the one that's very social, likes his routines, like loves school. And so we sat down one morning. We talked about being sad. We talked about grief. We talked about anger. And I asked him, so what feelings are you feeling? He said, well, I feel sad and I feel angry. What are you sad about? Well, I'm sad I can't go to school. What are you angry at? And he said, I'm angry at the coronavirus. Like just directly like that. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, as much as we are very scientific people and we're like, well, it's irrational to be angry at a disease. Mm -hmm. My 10-year-old's like, yeah, I'm angry at the disease. Yeah, yeah. And and I think we would all do well to echo that and say, yeah, I am angry that this thing has come in, taken over our lives individually, collectively, worldwide. It has robbed us of things and it hurts. It's frustrating. There's been a lot of loss. So there's that grief aspect that we need to um, be able to get at and to name it. And I think what your son has done there, he's talked about sadness, which is the grief. And then why is why is there anger? It's because this thing has come in and taken over and and stolen away life as he knows it. So exactly. It's stealing away life. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. stealing away physical life. It's also stealing away life as we know it. And I think that's one of the classic categories that we can be angry at, especially as Christians, we can be angry at death. Mm -hmm. We we can be 
righteously indignant that death exists in the world and that it is currently allowed to triumph, um, knowing that that is not God's good intention for his world or for us as um, his people, ultimately. So I do think there is absolutely a way to be angry at the disease, angry at death, and it be very productive for us. Yeah, the the recognition that we are angry because it is um, it is going against everything that God would intend for for us in terms of human flourishing. To be angry at that, and then know that the way that this virus is uh, tearing apart our normal functioning. We're going to be angry and frustrated in a lot of different ways. And even as we try to deal with the virus, we're going to be angry and frustrated in a lot of different ways because not all of the the courses of action are going to be the best. And so it's like we're frustrated that it's here. We're frustrated that it's not going away. We're frustrated in how it is being handled. But we've we've got to look at, well, what is it that God has in mind and if we think of how his anger is because his righteousness is not reigning, that's the thing that mm-hmm. we can be frustrated with and say, Lord, how do I get in line with your heart for for the world? And that sounds really big, but it's like, okay, in my day-to-day, how can I be right with you and with people so that everyone is flourishing and the the world that you created is flourishing. That's a huge task, but that's where our anger can be directed because then it is moving in the same direction as life and toward good things and towards goodness, that wholeness that we've been talking about. Yeah, I love how you put that, that you're aligning with God's righteousness. Your your anger must be be tracking with God's yeah, anger. Yeah. And and that is based on righteousness and justice and all the things that belong to God and to his character. And I think that also opens up a category to be angry at sin, oh, yeah. um, to be mm-hmm. angry at people who would not necessarily the people, but the actions and the process of taking advantage of this moment, because there are sinful responses in this moment. As much as we would love to imagine a crisis bringing us all together and bringing out the better angels of our natures, it also brings out our sinful tendencies and our self-serving tendencies. Mm -hmm. And we see that even in some of the ways people would buy up supplies and then price gouge, that there is the potential to have sinful self-serving responses in this moment. And I think there is a valid call to say, I can be angry at actions and choices that do not align with God's righteousness, that do not align with what should be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the risk of that, though, is if we're not using God's righteousness as the plumb line, we will very easily put ourselves in our own righteousness as the plumb line. And so we will compare other people's actions to our own and we'll say things like, well, I would never do that. And then we become angry 
based on something that itself is not necessarily accurate. Because the truth is, you very well could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you given, very well mm-hmm. could be a terrible person in a crisis. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think that's that's really key is to remember that given any situation, we could be those people. And, and probably we are. Because I, I think one of the things that sin does being human does um it's like we're blind to our own places where we maybe have um leniency on ourselves and we are strict upon others and so i think this sort of moving in the vein of what is god's righteousness and what is it that he would have it's this constant pull back to that center point and um that constant pull comes by repentance and admitting hey this is this is me i'm part of this problem and so recognizing that our goal is god and in his righteousness instead of our own it's humbling it's also freeing because then it's not about us and i think that's one of the the things with um seeking justice it's this whole idea of what does god want to accomplish and how do i get on board with that so even though anger is um something that can be overwhelming or we might think of it as distasteful it's needed because we we need god's righteousness we need for him to exact justice on our behalf for the world. And it reminds me of what John shared in our last episode about praying through the Psalms, Mm -hmm. that there is a lot of anger and righteous indignation in the Psalms based on things that deviate from God's righteousness. And you you hear David and the other psalmist um, praying very um, imprecatory prayers. Yeah, yeah. In the face of sin and death and evil that is triumphing, and they are calling God to be faithful to his own righteousness, to avenge and vindicate his name and his own standard of what should be. And I think that's a very different way and a healthy way to be angry in this moment and in a way that can not be so toxic to our own souls because we are Mm -hmm. calling out to God to act rather than just raging. And I think those are two very different experiences of anger and ultimately responding to what is a profound brokenness. Mm-hmm. Well, I think as far as our series goes, I think this is a really good first step in the um, sorting out of anger and and looking at all the things that are contributing to it. I hope all you listeners out there, I hope it was helpful to you to start to look at all the different ways that anger is is bubbling up and, and then looking at how we can move toward wholeness in the middle of this um, season. But that's it for this conversation. Um, you can jump right into the next installment of growing of our growing viral series. Uh, in the next installment, we're talking about our desire to control the unknowns of this viral age. We hope you'll join us and we hope you're doing well. Stay safe and stay home. You have been listening to Persuasion with Aaron Straza and Hannah Anderson. 
an official production of the Christ and Pop Culture Podcast Network. Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at christandpopculture.com slash network. Theme music by Maiden Name. This episode was brought to you in part by the Table Podcast at Dallas Theological Seminary. Listen to rotating hosts discuss issues of God and culture to demonstrate theology's relevance in everyday life. Find it on your podcast app. For videos and more, visit dts.edu podcast.